I know that sound. It can only mean one thing. And that is that Cousin Rick is calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk. Good morning, RT. Good morning, Cousin Rick. Okay, well, do you have a ride of the week? Yes, the ride of the week is the Toyota Prius all-wheel drive E hybrid. They, they put AWD-E hybrid, and it, uh, it's the all-wheel drive version of the Prius. And it comes, uh, the one we have is in supersonic red. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that sounds bright. <laughs> yeah, it looks more like a, uh, a wine-colored, uh, a little deeper red. Oh, okay. Okay, but the, the Prius is five-star safety rated. And the, uh, this version of the Prius, the fuel economy is 52 city, 48 highway. For combined city highway EPA mileage of 50 miles to the gallon, that's a slightly less than the standard Prius hmm. because it has, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it has some extra weight due to the seven horsepower motor, electric motor on the rear axle. Okay, and the way. Uh, the way the all-wheel drive version works, it uh, from zero to six miles per hour, the electric motor in the back is uh, powering the rear axle to give you a little more uh, push when you start off from uh, either a traffic light or merging into traffic from a stop. Mm. And then the, uh, the computer will decide whether you need <clears throat> all-wheel drive up to 43 miles an hour. Hmm. It'll determine if the wheels are slipping so that they can, it can apply power to the rear, rear axle. So unfortunately, we haven't had any snow here to be able to try this out. But this is a, a version of the Prius to uh, mainly geared for, uh, say, northern climbs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, let's see. The... Uh, Suggested retail price is just over 29000 but that comes with Toyota Safety Sense, all LED lighting, and you even have a wireless charger. Now, when you get a couple of options, such as the head-up display and delivery charge, the MSRP goes up to $31,689. But you can probably get a deal these days. Mm -hmm. All so right. that's our ride of the week this week. Sorry, uh, sorry about my voice for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit odd there. Oh, so, odd. no known reason. It's just uh, <clears throat> got a frog in the throat. <laughs> yeah, I just dried out for a second here. I see. I think it'll be being dried out. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Any other uh, automotive news you have for us? Yes. Well, this is uh, our friends at. <clears throat> iccars.com, iseecars.com, have come up with a survey of used cars that looks at the impact of the coronavirus on used car sales. Hmm. And uh, they've come up with a list of cars that have been impacted the most by uh, the virus. In other words, uh, they looked at the... Uh, 
number of cars sold in February compared to the cars sold in March. And they've looked at the cars with the greatest difference in sales. And uh, I can go through the list a little bit here. Yeah. The, yeah. the model that had uh, the greatest slowdown in sales is the Tesla Model 3. Hmm. So if you want a Tesla Model 3 and you, you still have a job and you have some money to buy one, you might get a really great deal. And then after that, it's the uh, Toyota RAV4 hybrid version. Hmm. The Volkswagen Atlas, which is a really nice SUV, followed by the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, which is another uh, good SUV value for the money. And so if you, uh, you go to iccars.com, you'll see this study. Hmm. If, if you're still in the market for a, a used car. Right. Any, any speculation on why the Tesla is so uh, heavily impacted? Of, uh, well, maybe because it's fairly, yeah. fairly expensive, and so, uh, you know, people don't have the money to afford them, even as a used car. Right. So so these uh, so on that list, then, are those mostly uh, kind of high-end vehicles, would you say? Or? Well, no. The, uh, uh, there's the Chevrolet Spark, which is a compact car, Toyota oh. RAV4, and yeah. Honda HRV. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Interesting, interesting. They they don't have any overall number of how much uh, used car sales are down in the whole market. No, that uh, no, the the Tesla sales have been down uh, about twenty four percent. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. The the overall average they give is about ten percent. Right. Okay. Which isn't really all that much. It doesn't sound. I, I would have thought it'd be a lot more than that. Right. Yeah. All right, uh, what else do you have for us today? Okay, you want to ask me if we got a Musk Minute? Oh, I almost forgot about the Musk Minute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But this actually isn't a Musk Minute. This is more like uh, a NASA Minute. Oh. We're going back to the moon. Wow, are we really? Did you? Uh, yep. I last did not week, know that. <clears throat> Last week, NASA picked three contractors to... Uh, look into uh, systems they proposed to land on the moon in 2024. Okay? Now, that's the plan, whether right. the, the virus and the situation impacts the ultimate result uh, remains to be seen. But they picked three, three contractors to uh, study their systems further and they'll make a decision in about a year or so which one they want to fund further. And the first one is what's uh, called a national team. This is from uh, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, and it's, uh, they've teamed up with Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and Draper to come up with a system that uh, uses uh, existing technology to land on the moon, and it, it has a, a rather large lunar lander compared to the lunar module, and because the, the vehicle is fairly large, the, uh, the astronauts would have to come down a fairly long ladder to uh, get to the surface of the moon. Hmm. And uh, that we all know that Northrop Grumman and Draper have uh, 
legacy uh, moon experience from the Apollo program. Mm -hmm. Whether they have, uh, I doubt that there's many people there at those uh, companies to, uh, who were there on the original Apollo, but Grumman built the lunar module, right. and Draper uh, built the guidance system for the, the Apollo program. And the other company that got a contract was Dynetics of Huntsville, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Now, their vehicle looks like something from space 1999. It's basically a cylinder, and at right angles to the cylinder, which would be the cabin, is a truss system with the rocket motors and fuel on either side. Mm. And on top are, are some uh, movable solar panels. So when this vehicle lands on the moon, the cylinder is fairly close to the ground that the astronauts would basically just have to step out and do their exploration. Hmm. Okay, and then the final contractor is Elon Musk's SpaceX for the, a version of their starship called the Moonship. And uh, this is probably the biggest system. It's maybe, oh, oh 80 to 100 feet tall that the astronauts would have to ride an external elevator to get down to the surface of the moon. Hmm. And it's also probably the most unproven uh, system in, uh, in the competition. And, uh, you know, part of the problem with, with landing such a large vehicle on the moon is that uh, people who I know study this kind of stuff say they're going to need at least 10 refueling flights before they can go in Earth orbit, before they can go to the moon with enough fuel to get back. Huh. And that, uh, you know, they still have to prove transferring so much propellant in a weightless environment, how they're going to do that. Yeah, that seems a bit sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to do it in four years is going to be, you know, a pretty good trick. Yeah. Right. They, uh, yeah, NASA gave out the... The first one, the national team, got about $579 million to study their proposal further. The Dynetics team got $253 million, and the SpaceX team got $135 million. So that's uh, it's kind of big news going back to the moon. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have the first woman astronaut set foot on the moon. All right. There we go. Um. I was wondering, is there any speculation about establishing a moon base to people? I would imagine there must be at least proposals. Well, the Artemis program is NASA's program to go back to the moon. Mm -hmm. And the first part of the program is to establish what they call the Lunar Gateway. This is an orbiting, a polar orbiting station mm. that would be in lunar orbit from where missions can, can go from lunar orbit down to the surface. Oh, okay. Now the now the first landing in 2024 would not depend on the lunar gateway. Right. But see, NASA, the original plan was to use the gateway and go down in 2028. But uh, political situation being what it is, the uh, the occupant in the White House moved the schedule <laughs> up to 2024. Okay. So. We'll see what happens. <laughs> right. yeah, making the moon great again. <laughs> Teresa thinks that's fun. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else you have for us today? Uh, let's see. 
let's see. With my voice running out, I think that's about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, that's a wrap for today. So um, Glad yeah. we could get together. Glad we could get together. Uh, we'll do it again next week, and uh, you know, hopefully your voice will be uh, the straightened out. You know, that would be good. <laughs> okay, well, have a good one. That was Cousin Rick calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk, a regular feature of the Newtopian Dream. <laughs>